LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Madeline Galea. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry each week. Now, we're, we're kind of doing this sort of look back in time. I feel like we need this sort of music montage okay. sort of thing. Yesterday in staff team, we, we did like a, what was your best year of life? Oh, yes. And you picked New Zealand. I did. With the Hillstons. Yep. In the first year of their church plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shall I elaborate? You should, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a great year. It was very like purposeful. It was a great uh, thing to be over there, helping them as they started Auckland EV. But I uh, also just had some good friends and we had so much fun. I said I've never had so much like consecutive fun every weekend for a year. Uh, highly recommend. I was 19 as well. That probably, that helps. Ah, uh, 19. 19. Ah, uh, such a long time ago. <laughs> How the, long ago? <laughs> no. Now, the one thing's brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and you've uh, pressed play on 10 years ago, I planted a church. Now we've got Toby Neal here today. Welcome, Toby. G'day. Hello. You are the lead pastor of Vine Church. Right. You studied at Moore College. Yeah. I just heard that you were an accountant. <laughs> so I don't mean to laugh <laughs> when I said No, I think that's great. That's good. <laughs> My wife doesn't know what's worse to tell people, that I'm a pastor or an accountant <laughs> in kind of like a secular sitting. But Fair yeah, enough. There, we go. there you go. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about the last 10 years of Vine Church. So yep. can you give us a bit of a history of Vine? Yeah, well... Um, uh, originally wanted to be a missionary uh, to an overseas country. When I was 19, I was on a surf trip to Samoa and my dad was quite worried about my safety and he said something to me which challenged me. He said, why are you risking your life doing something that's ultimately pointless when you could risk your life telling people about Jesus? Wow. And um, so started devouring missionary biographies, wanted to you know, be a missionary in a place where I would risk my life, the Middle East, but realized that wasn't going to work for me or my family. And then started thinking about, does Sydney need missionaries? And um, of course, and um, church planning is a great way to be on mission. So we mm. started, uh, yeah, 10, 10 years ago with 16 friends in our lounge room. We moved um, to a pub and uh, we, we, you know, we had these dreams of being a pub church and then someone cut, one of the kids cut their, um, <laughs> cut, cut themselves on some uh, uh, broken glass on the floor and we're like, this ain't working. <laughs> and we moved into a, a library and um, uh, spent a couple of years there, outgrew that, moved into a school hall uh, outgrew that, needed to plan a second service, couldn't, and then it was at that time that the Anglican church in Surrey Hills, the pastor moved on, very godly man, but they were quite small in number of people but had a lot of property and we were growing with lots of people but no no place to meet and so it was a great match. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting hearing you tell it because it, it sounds a lot of you know buildings, property, but yeah. is, is that the, the challenge of an inner city or city planter that you're always struggling for building space mm. you know why not why not talk about people and you know <laughs> the, the people growth and the numbers of people coming <laughs> partly because that was the question <laughs> that was written on the uh on the form <laughs> that 
<laughs> uh, it is a big challenge. I think probably anywhere when you know if you're in space, you're all, you're mm. always at the whim of. Um, and actually, uh, before we planted, so we were doing a couple of uh, monthly meetings in the library, and when that happened, this. Um, this uh, newspaper reporter did a hit piece on us and tried to get us kicked out of um, all the public spaces. Mates, wow. page, three, page three of the Telegraph. Page three of the Telegraph. So, yeah, property was a big issue for us and to buy our own property in the inner city was you know, never going to happen. Mm. So so the second gathering, when did that, what timing-wise, was that at the six-year mark, the five-year mark? Uh, well, it should have been at the four-year mark and... Um, uh, or even earlier but we just we couldn't do it anywhere so we yep. kept holding off holding off and then when we uh, merged with St Michael's they had a morning congregation and we we didn't flood it with people uh, when we merged because we didn't want to kind of overwhelm them and their identity and so we sent a couple of our people along and slowly grew mm. that and um, so that was the second and the third gatherings happened sort of post COVID similar we should have started our third <laughs> gathering much much sooner but um, the the excuse for doing it was COVID's meant you know capacity in the building so we had to but mm. really we should have started that sooner so present day uh, how many people are at your services conversions over the years Baptisms. Yeah. Sorry, through that parish one. council member. <laughs> Favorite parish council. <laughs> Clearly not you. <laughs> but um, we're we're about two twenty, uh, two thirty people on a Sunday at the moment, which, by God's grace, is um, is just a bit more than we had this time last year. So mm. COVID, you know, it hit us in the middle of the year, but we've come out of it very strong. And part of that is we've started a third service. That's been a growth dynamic for us already so that's good um conversions i i have always found it hard to count conversions and that's because i don't want to count a false conversion mm. and um you know i always see you know church planners say you know this many people converted i'm like how do you know they're genuinely converted because i want to know are they in church loving jesus five years later after mm. hard times have hit and um, that's a bit harder to kind of calculate. This year, we we have made a decision to start counting it, but it's um, it's a we ask people who you know saying they've made a decision to start following Jesus, um, and we get them to we give them some kind of criteria based on um, you know have you repented of sin, trust in it. So so we've done that now. So I can't give you an answer to how many conversions yeah. we've seen. You know, over a hundred, probably close to 200 people go through Christianity Explored. Mm. Um, so that's exciting. Great. How, how many was that? Two, uh, two, over 200? Yeah. Yeah, so, so generally... No, maybe not. See, I'm terrible with numbers. But it just times out by... You're point, an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> times out by 0.25, you know, so 20, 50 people most likely have made yeah. first-time decisions. It, it, it is like... That, that would be the most joyful part I would have thought of. Of, of planting a church but but your reticence at putting the number down there also probably has the most challenging part you see someone make a declaration yeah. of faith uh, you see them make changes and then you see them walk away yeah um, or you see someone on your core team um, who's invested deeply growing and then something yeah. happens and they walk away yeah so let's not go into the pain first let's go into the joy <laughs> um, what's been what's been the most the joyful part the joy will be seeing them side by side in heaven yeah good good um 
and I never know what's going to happen with them in life. So I'm always that, which makes as a pastor, you're always working hard, not just for their decision, but for their growth in godliness. So, um, what have been the joyful things? You know, um, uh, milestones. So, to be honest, we merged with St. Michael's, and, um, you know, for the first time in decades, the church has been full, absolutely full of the mm. drink. Uh, that's, that's been a great joy. Um, I love uh, running Christian Explored and seeing people converted and the lights going on, particularly when you're talking about the grace of God. Mm. Um, I love seeing people, you know, coming from different church backgrounds that don't take the Bible so seriously, and then they come here and they're like, ah, oh, finally, um, deep biblical teaching that's applied to life. Mm. Um, so I love that. Maybe, um, maybe this sounds weird, but... Um, Probably my highlight uh, has been the very first visitor of our church mm. um, was a girl called Rebecca Giam, mm. and she, you know, two weeks after visiting our church, she uh, they found cancer. She went into hospital rush with, you know, stomach pains, and they found cancer. And we had this decision. She's only just visited. She was our first visitor. She mm. <laughs> come once. Do we visit her in hospital? And uh, my wife and I made the decision, like, yeah, let's be the church that visits people mm-hmm. we hardly know in hospital. And uh, that started a wonderful friendship. And mm-hmm. she died last year. But to be honest, helping her prepare for death and the example she set mm-hmm. to me and the rest of the church, that's, mm-hmm. that's prob- by far the, the highlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, she died. She's with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was prepared for that because mm. of what we did as a church. So. Yeah, I'm not from Vine, and I have friends who aren't even from Vine, and they just they all heard about that story, and it was talked about just how, yeah, it was a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, what has the, the joyful things, but what have been the harder things? Yeah, I think probably uh, the hardest thing is, um, is uh, coming up against your sin and your incompetency mm. <laughs> and not being able to change and realizing that those things are holding back the growth of the gospel in the church and working on it um Mm. working on those things but not finding answers to Mm. i guess the things you know what is it about my leaderships that's making our you know creating blockages in our church right now um and not just not being able to solve those issues for me that's that's been the hardest most tiring thing about church planning what i've learned about myself this year well uh is that i um i really don't i I go nuts when people are criticizing me for doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and often you're leading the church in a direction and you know it's hard and you're making difficult decisions which Mm -hmm. are costing you but it's the right thing to do I get the sense just from hearing you talk about those hard things, you you have a great responsibility, a great burden for for the whole church. You know, is that something that you know has grown over the last ten years? You know, is that something you feel even more now, now that you're a church of two hundred and thirty? You know, as opposed to being a church of sixteen, um, or is that something you just always felt? Um, you know, in, in some sense, that's what makes you a good church planner. That's what makes you a good sort of driver to get things started. Mm. Yeah, I guess um, maybe, you know, this is getting very psychoanalytic. (laughs) I think I always felt a little, you know, growing up in church, maybe that 
you know, no one really cared about me in, mm. in the church. So, you know, that's one of my values going to church, that everyone needs to know that people care about them here and that we're on about not just growing a church but growing individuals into maturity in Christ and having a supportive community around them. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a core cool. value. Yeah, that's yeah. good. What's been the biggest difference between the first five and the second five years? Yeah, great question. Um, so lots of differences kind of in, I guess, how the church operates. Um, but uh, I'll d- probably best just to talk about the differences for me. Mm-hmm. So first five years, you got a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of optimism. Everything's new. And if you're an entrepreneur, you like starting new yeah. things. Second five years, the opposite. It's like, <laughs> it's like you usually hit a growth barrier. So you're less optimistic. You're like, how do I get through this? And you Mm. try one thing, can't get through it. Try Mm. another thing, can't get through it. Try another thing, can't get through it. And you just become... So your optimism turns to cynicism. Mm. um, You you stop having the energy you once had because you've gone through conflict, conflict. Um, The things you had hoped haven't arrived. So your energy... And maybe you're a little bit older, so you don't have the energy of, you know, a 29-year-old... (laughs) um and um and you stop starting new things and the goal is you just gotta start building out the systems procedures policies to to maintain what's here and to grow up organizationally Mm -hmm. first five years you're like this young teenager you know you don't know whether you're going to be staying the night at your house or your friend's house but it's like your it's like your New Zealand trip right and then you grow up yeah. and it's sort of like you got bills to pay you got a you got risk to manage you've got staff you know all of this stuff so i found that very hard like the difference is it's just way less fun <laughs> yeah and if you're entrepreneurial you're wired to the yeah. beginning starting up not yeah. so much the managing 10 years yeah. down the track and i think if you do grow to the point where you start having staff you and maybe even if you don't have staff you start giving away all all the face-to-face ministry to the point where you're almost not doing any uh face-to-face frontline ministry mm. you're you're so for me my job is to preach to lead the staff team and the parish council and to cast vision. Um, and as a result, like all my people ministry, all that, like I care deeply about people, mm. but I'm not doing hardly any of that now. Yeah. So you give all that away. And for me now, my job's to enable my staff to be doing that and, yeah. and to see them doing that. Yeah. But mm. that's a, so I think that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember you at the start when you were planning a church, you were, you, you were at every conference, you know, you read every book, you had Evernote <laughs> notes on everything, every conversation was, you know, yeah. table. Now, I think you still do that, so there's nothing that hasn't mm-hmm. changed. But what do you wish you had known 10 years ago? I wish uh, the leadership pipeline stuff was <laughs> in place, to be honest. That would have saved us. There's a little plug for ministry group. <laughs> yep. You haven't paid me for this, but no, seriously, the the leadership pipeline stuff's so important, yeah. and we didn't start with that in our DNA. Wish I had have known that. Um, you know, one of the other 
uh, this is all difficulties. Feels like the counselling council. But no, this is good. I think this is really helpful for the person who's listening in to go. It, it's yeah. it's hard work. One of the hard things about our area is just the transients. I yep. wasn't prepared for that, so I thought. You know, I grew up at Christchurch Gladesville, and there were people that have been there for forty years, fifty years. You know, lots of people have been there 20 years. And that's what I'm expecting. I'm starting a church where that's the culture of the place. People there long-term partnering with you in reaching the area. And that hasn't been our experience. People turn over every three years. It's it's huge because people move into the area, then they move out of the area. And uh, that is so hard um, because I want this community where mm. people care for each other. And they're here and I pour my life into them then they leave mm. like so i wish i'd known that toby you could have foreseen this like that is the area um unless yeah. they they grew up in the area and unless they've got a job where they can afford to stay in the area um you ought not to expect them to be you're going to be saying long term. Yeah, you're going to be yeah. saying goodbye but then yeah. but then there's incredible opportunity there yeah. you, you can invest in someone for two or three years send them on to another church yeah. you know with that dna yeah. of, of being gospel generous and and uh, yeah. and mature yeah and they, they've come into the air and often they've come from um churches that don't teach the bible well and so we have this great gift of you know reforming them in their faith mm, mm. and then sending them back out hoping they'll go back mm. to a bible teaching church yeah you know john stott says the key question facing the church today is whether we will allow jesus to command us or whether we will command him to do what we want him to do mm. and when we started vine church um we caught up with a uh, another church planter who had planted a couple of years ago in the area and he said to me Toby you are not going to grow this church if you're reformed complementarian and you do a bible monologue every Sunday you will not grow a church here if you do that and we said look Jesus is the lead pastor of this church we're going to hear from him and if he tells us that he's in control and that this is the way he wants men and women to relate and that he wants his word to be taught, not just discussed, mm. we're going to do that. And, uh, you know, his church is folded, but uh, God's uh, sought to bless ours. So wow. I think that was the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've pushed into uh, a little bit the sort of awareness that, you know, hey, I might not be the person who can lead the church for the next, you know, kind of this next season. Um, you know, you push up against those growth barriers, yeah. you've got to change. Yeah. Have, have you asked, like, have you asked yourself that question? Um, hey, I'm not this person and I need to hand it over to someone um, else. And, and, and what would your counsel be to someone who's, you know, sitting there listening and they're 10 years in and they're going, yeah, we've got it to this size and, hey, I just want to go plant another church or, hey, yeah. I want to go and oh, I, need, I need to rest or, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I asked that question, um, and um, we're about to do a building development, so I'm, I, I'm not at all considering that question. The church needs me right now. Mm. But, you know, like when we finish the building development, get a year into that, I think I need to ask a serious question. Is, should I stay here or should mm. I leave? I mean, my, my plan from the beginning was stay here for my whole ministry life. Um, but, I, you know, it is, I need to ask, the key leaders in the church, do you think I'm the right guy to lead this church to the next level? And 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 actually, 
you know, I'm always aware of myself, my own limitations and, mm. you know, my own insecurities. Are, I don't think you can, you know, lead it to the next level. But I wouldn't run away from that because, uh, you know, I think you've got to, most of the larger churches in Australia, the, the pastor's been there for a long time 20, and they just years. stick it out. Yep. And I think, you know, well, I think the first 10 years have been, I found them hard and hopefully the next 10 won't be, but even if they are, I mean, there hasn't been a um, a Bible, you know, a a large, vibrant inner city uh, at Surrey Hills Bible teaching ministry like this for decades yeah. and decades. And we've stuck it out ten years, and we've, we, you know, we we haven't achieved what I had hoped, but we have achieved something others haven't. And so I probably need to stick it out. I need to be careful about my desire to run from the challenge. And um, yes, maybe I don't have the skills right now, but maybe I can learn them and maybe it'll take more time than I wish it would take to learn that. Um, but yeah, and then I think it's getting other people's wisdom on that. And, and this is a powerful thing because I can still remember 10 years ago, you didn't want to get assessed. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I you, you didn't want to get assessed because cause the answer could have been no. Yeah, okay, there you go. And and you really wanted to plant a church, like yeah. you know, you had the prospectus yeah. with all the dark images of the pub and going to third spaces. I can still remember that. <laughs> but I think it's a really helpful thing to keep asking leadership, yeah. um, because because the answer you know often, often will be yes, but then the answer to the question is what do I need to do to change, and pressing you know pressing into that and pushing into that, yeah. which which is the leadership pipeline stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, Which and every leader faces wherever they're that's at. That's like, it. So this is helpful. Like no, no leader ever comes to a point where like, yeah, I'm competent for this. <laughs> yeah. like, I think every like every leader that's facing, uh, the, all leaders feel oh, I'm not competent for this. And the, the, the mark of a great leader is they keep working on it. Mm. So mm. I think that's my advice to someone who's 10 years, should I leave? You know, you just got to be careful. You're not running away from from the opportunity to keep learning. Yeah. But it may be the right thing to do because, and and that's where I think others. Yeah, wise counsels. That's that's really yeah. good advice. Mm. What's the one thing you want to say to someone who's considering planting? Keep Jesus central. Uh, keep loving Him. Stay close to Him. Read. You know, there's that great gentle and lowly book by Dane Ortland. I started reading that. Um, our people, um, that's what they need to hear, that he's, he's worth following, trusting, obeying. And that's what you need to hear. He's worth serving, making the sacrifices to plant. And if um, you're going to planting for some other reason other than the glory of Jesus, um, you're going to give up because it's not going to deliver what you're wanting. The only thing church planting will deliver is more glory to Jesus. And that glory will come through hardship and and convert you know it'll be the good and the bad but if um jesus isn't central it won't be worth it yeah and you won't last the distance you'll you'll have an affair uh you'll burn out um you'll give up yeah yeah great well thanks for joining us today pleasure yeah thanks, thanks toby thanks for Thank leaving you. leaving your heart out there and letting us yeah. kick it all around it was good fun 10 years <laughs> it's good uh what is in the toolbox Scott? well uh 
Toby, Toby talked about getting, well, he didn't talk about getting assessed, but he, he was assessed by the Geneva Push. <laughs> you talked you talk about, about it. I talked about it. So I talked about it, and I encourage, I would encourage you guys, if you are thinking about church planning, get assessed. The other thing, talk about having wise counsel. I reckon that's helpful for a leader at any stage, uh, but particularly for the church planter. Uh, you know, Toby was sort of voracious in, in grabbing and l- thinking and learning. Mm. One of the really helpful things to do is to catch up with an older church planning couple and, and ch- talk to them about your dreams and your fears and have them uh, encourage you, having those people alongside you. You can check out the Vine Church website. It's, it's in the process of getting updated, so maybe jump on in a month's time and, uh, and you, you can find out all about uh, Vine Church uh, as well. Two, two books to recommend. Uh, we've talked about the Leadership Pipeline. Uh, read, read that one in particular. The other one is grab a book on growth barriers. Uh, so Toby, like being aware of those and being aware of them before, you can actually look forward and go, okay, I need to be starting to make these changes and, and getting ready for it. Uh, so grab a book on growth barriers and, uh, and press into that area as, as well. And if you liked what you heard today on The One Thing, uh, feel free to rate us or leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The One Thing. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Madeline Galea. Chat soon.